What the If is brought to you by listeners like you, thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. Don't cry for your mummy edition. <laughs> Subtitled ter- terrible puns. <laughs> I think it, mummies. I, I do not think <laughs> I have heard a mummy mummy pun this century. <laughs> it is that is. There we go. We're happy to break break new ground. <laughs> that is a very old school <laughs> pun. <say>. Yeah. <laughs> Mummies will be discussed in the episode coming up just momentarily. Stay tuned for that. That's just a tease. Uh, That uh, professor you heard was Professor Matthew Stanley, historian of science from New York University, and uh, who knows all the puns of all the centuries. Oh, and he's tearing up. Hang on. My my job at the moment is less professor and more puppy management, so I'm (laughs) making some things to distract the puppy. So the sounds of crinkling... Were you were making you were making dog toys. I was literally the, making dog toys. That's right. Um, specifically, That's I was good. taking <laughs> photocopies of David Hume's dialogues on natural religion and crumpling them up and putting them inside an empty cardboard box. So we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> and so, if Freya eats those, will she will she be absorbing these lessons? Well, that would be very the, interesting, actually. So if she starts critiquing yeah. induction, um, I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pick those because they're perhaps like really, really dense papers? You're like, oh, it's going to take her a while to like sink her teeth into this Sink one. her teeth. Yeah. yeah, that would make a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> That's very good. And uh, that is uh, Gabby Panicia, virologist from Rockefeller University. How are you? Have you gotten your new COVID shot? They're just out, just off the pot of the press. Not, no. not yet, but I should. My, our university actually surprisingly isn't, they're doing a flu shot thing, but they're not doing a COVID oh. shot thing yet. So I might actually have to go walk myself to the, the CVS and, and get a quick jab. Yeah. Weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they get around to it, but it's also weird, I think, what they can get their hands on sometimes because like they're not they both are and aren't a hospital. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I'm Philip Shane, uh, documentary filmmaker, and uh I am I am looking forward to getting my shot. Um and I should get I should get it like right away, but I feel like it I do it sometimes does make you feel a little groggy or something the day of or the day after. And I'm going uh, tomorrow. I'm off to a uh, exciting but possible poss- po- potential super spreader. Hopefully not. Uh, but I'm off to an exciting event. Uh, the Planetary Society Day of Action oh. is happening in Washington D.C. Uh, so on Sunday we get trained. Um, brought up to speed on uh, what Congress is debating uh, with regards to NASA and science, uh, space science. And then on Monday, we go, people come from all over the country, members of the society gather from in Washington, D.C., and we all go to Capitol Hill, and then we go our separate ways and meet with our individual representatives from whatever state, county. Or cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and for me, actually, I think for the society too as a whole this is the first one that's in person in a number of years because uh, we okay. were uh, 
bounced out due to COVID and uh, other things. So um, getting right to our if this week, uh, speaking of space, space, um, the, uh, the headline is in the New York Times and in just about every other news <laughs> outlet uh, known to mankind and non-humankind. Uh, the New York Times writes, mummies from outer space, question, it's question mark. It's important that the question mark is how the, that's how you can tell the real news organizations. <laughs> it all comes down to the question mark. From the fake ones. Yeah, is it a question mark or an exclamation so, yeah. mark? Mummies from outer space? Mexico's Congress gets a first-hand look. By the way, that may be the first time this century that an American newspaper has put the words together, Mexico's Congress. That's probably right. You know, yeah. I've not heard about that before. But uh, a self... By the way, this is happening on the heels of the American Congress having hearings about UFOs. They, they, were, uh, they were ridiculous. <laughs> there were some ridiculous things claimed, but this, this, this is another level up. Um, a self-continuing uh, in the article, a self-proclaimed ufologist showed members of Congress what he, members of the Mexican Congress, what he claimed were two mummified specimens of extraterrestrial beings. Experts scoffed. Ha! Yes, yes. I'd like to hear scoffs in. I'm guessing the scoffs in Spanish sound the same as they do in English. Um, Mexico's Congress is usually meant to be a venue for solemn presentations on budgets and other serious legislation. But this week, lawmakers heard testimony from a self-proclaimed UFO researcher who brought with him some unusual objects. I can't help but laugh. I'm not even looking at pictures of it. Two mummified specimens that he claimed were bodies of extraterrestrial beings. <laughs> and then the article says, really? <laughs> Period. <laughs> the presentation of the mummies on Tuesday by Jaime Mausan, a journalist, so-called journalist, who has speculated widely <laughs> on aliens, caused jaws to drop and memes to multiply around the country. The two specimens, which Mr. Mausan said were found in Peru in 2017, were tiny in stature and chalky in color. Each had three-fingered hands and what appeared to be shrunken or desiccated heads. Uh, I'll just wrap up here. Uh, quote, these are non-human beings who are not part of our terrestrial evolution, Mr. Mousson declared under oath with a sign language interpreter at his side. Mm -hmm. What that detail means. Um, the specimens, he added, had been buried at a remote site in Peru and were about a thousand years old, according to carbon testing carried out by researchers at the National Autonomous University in Mexico. The researchers, however, distanced themselves from Mr. Mousson's conclusions, and an independent expert dismissed the exhibition as shameful. Rough. So, at what the if, um, our service to the world <laughs> is to, uh, um, when, a, when, a, when a real journalist, oh, by the way, I didn't say his name. The name is Simon Romero, the reporter... For the New York Times reporting from Mexico City, Simon Romero. Our job at What the If is when a reporter says, really? We say, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we ask, what the if? Aliens crashed on Earth a thousand years ago and left their bodies to rot. Not, to not rot. To be perfectly fine, yeah. Perfect.
to be perfectly fine and to be moved into rather elegant, if not somewhat mundane, wooden boxes. But the nice touch is that the little mummies are on pillows. You, know, you got to keep them comfy. Yeah. There's a chocolate under there somewhere, actually, by the way. Or, actually, he should have said, no, actually, those are the actual seats from the uh, spacecraft. <laughs> so those are the special cushions. So, um, uh, suppose, what, what we're, so, what, here's, importantly, I think, was one thing you guys wanted to make it clear, right, was that we're not saying that these mummies are real. That's clearly ridiculous. God, no. That's clearly ridiculous. <laughs> and actually, Matt, you were saying you had an interesting explanation. For, you said these were defunct. Oh, yeah. And so these actually it? first appeared 10, 12 years ago, if I remember right. Um, uh, and they're actually, and so they're made out of um, random conglomerations of animal bones. Um, like, so like the, the x-rays are hilarious because it's um, like they didn't make any effort to like match up the bones on the left and right side of it. And um, they don't connect together and there's no hip bone, hip joints and stuff like that. Um, so there's, there's no, uh, the, the skull, by the way, is the back half of a llama skull um, <laughs> turned around. So it looks vaguely skull like, but not quite right too. So it's good for aliens. Um, but this is actually the product of a long tradition of creating these sorts of things. Um, and, uh, American listeners may be familiar, uh, with PT Barnum's, uh, mermaid. So PT Barnum used to exhibit a mermaid. Um, and it was precisely the same kind of thing. People literally just stitched together animal parts. Um, uh, because if you can't x-ray it, Hard to tell. Right? Um, so right. there's a long and glorious history of this. So this is just, um, and, and it's kind of interesting that r now it's an alien. Ten years ago, it was um, a mummified uh, ancient Incan. A um, hundred years oh, ago, oh. it was a mermaid. Um, so it's kind of whatever people are excited to seeing about that at a given time. So literally this thing, or you're just saying in, in general, general this, kind of, kind this kind of creation? Yeah. Right, this is what the hoax, yeah, 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 yeah. So what you're saying is, it's not that, I thought one possible thing w w would be kind of interesting is uh, is that this is actually something that, I don't know, a thousand years ago, Native people made for religious purposes. Um, I don't, I don't no. know of such a thing, but it's um, conceivable, right. I guess. Yeah. Right. right. Um, but what we are asking is, let's throw that away. Which <laughs> is what it sounds like how it should be treated. And, um, uh, but what if it is an interesting thing to imagine? What if, right? If aliens had visited, uh, and they crashed on the planet. So, um, if we have, if we had visited another planet, what would, and, uh, and somebody crashed, right? Um, what was it, Matt, you were mentioning that somebody had to, <laughs> what were you talking about? The Martian? Oh, made a joke that uh, if Matt Damon, oh, right. as in like of the Martian, yes. Mark yes. Watney crashed on exactly. Mars, he did, and then was presented as a mummy to the Martian government, exactly. uh, <laughs> x number of yeah. thousand years later. That's right. Yeah, totally that's right. doable. Yeah. Right. So that's possible. Mm -hmm. Right. So suppose that happened. Somebody crashed. Um, my first question is, um, didn't the aliens send a rescue? crew. Ah. And if not, what does that say about these aliens that did crash here? 
they were expendable. I yeah, because that is kind of our reflex, right? When when somebody gets stranded, we say, well, why don't we go rescue them? Um, and right. nowadays, that's plausible in most circumstances, right? There aren't many places in the world where you could get stranded where a rescue team could not get to you. Um, right. but, that's a pr- but that's the result of some hundreds of years of building up of high-tech infrastructure of getting from place to place. So um, like a thousand years ago, if you were a Norse explorer coming across the North Atlantic and you get stranded in Greenland, um, unemployed in Greenland, uh, you're in real trouble, right? You you have no yeah. way of getting a message home to let anybody know that you're there. And even if right. you did, they have no way of coming to get you either because you've got the only ship that can make that crossing or you're the only person who knows how to navigate across. Um, so you're essentially stuck forever. Um, so anytime you're at, at like the edge of transportation technology that way, um, uh, rescue might be impossible. Right, right. And I can imagine for these poor aliens, maybe they are the Mark Watney of their universe. Yeah. They, not that, you know, they got left behind, but there's not really another ship that can go get them. They were maybe, you know, the advanced scout team. They're just, they're just stuck out there and everybody on their home planet of, I don't know, Gazorpian 12 is <laughs> nice just, you know, here. erecting monuments. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's right. So actually do. this might be worth mentioning that, the spacecraft um, we humans send up, sometimes we sort of imagine it's Star Trek style propulsion where like at any given moment you say, well, let's go over there. So you point the engine in a different way and turn on the engine and you go. That's almost never what we actually do, right? Um, yeah. We tend to give um, our... Well, so the technical term for this is a lift and throw system um, where you take whatever it is you want to get from point A to point B and you stick it on top of a rocket and the rocket burns for a while and um, you point the rocket in the direction you want the thing to go. And then some very smart and tedious people sit and calculate the way that trajectory will interact with the gravity of all the different objects in the solar system mm, mm, mm. such right. that it'll so it might loop around the moon or loop around jupiter or loop around the sun five times before it gets to where uh you want it to go but for the most part these craft have very small to none um, actual propulsion technology built into them. Um, it's just not worth the weight when you can just steal energy from from gravity, as you like. Um, and uh, it costs a lot of money and energy to get something into space. So the more energy you can steal from the gravity of the solar system, um, the better it is, the cheaper it is to do. Uh, the downside is it usually takes longer Um, So, for instance, um, India had that wonderful moon probe that they landed um, just a couple weeks ago. And one of the ways they made that mission much, much cheaper was that instead of just going in a straight line from the Earth to the moon like we did with Apollo, um, they had it do these gravity loops um, around the Earth-Moon solar system for, I want to say, months, um, kind of gathering Mm -hmm. up enough energy to get where it needs to go. Um, So all that to say... um, the the meat of the Martian, the story, is actually 
well, I guess half of it is Watney keeping himself alive, but the other half is trying to figure out how to get the spacecraft to him because there is a spaceship up there with all of his buddies on it. But once it gets going in a particular direction, there's nothing to be done. It's just going to keep going in that direction. So one of the big things of the story is trying to again trying to get uh, the the pilots trying to figure out how to get the spacecraft back because they can't just turn it around. Right, right. That's kind of fun to imagine. That could be happening. Mm-hmm. You know that there is some uh, another ship that a bigger ship that they're uh, these crashed astronauts were a part of. Um, I imagine they were going somewhere much more exciting. And that's what's really now. There was like when you get a if if you're in a car and you're you're on a road trip, you know whenever you get the flat tire or some something like that or the engine dies, it's never in like the really cool place. Uh, yeah. You know, it doesn't happen at Mount Rushmore or or the Grand Canyon. It happens in the most boring, <laughs> flat right place with barely a, a single gas station and all that kind of stuff. So I can imagine that they got stuck on Earth. They were going somewhere really exciting. They got stuck here. Um, yeah, that, that is an entirely possible. We've all been stranded in places like that, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and again, there was no gas station for their ship. <laughs> there, was, there wasn't even a gas station for anything a thousand years ago. What, what would they have seen a thousand years ago when they crashed? Uh, let's see, where are they crashing? Is that Peru. in Peru? All right, so Peru? the Incan Empire, well, actually, it's probably the height of the Incan Empire, actually. Um, so there's actually a continent spanning civilization, uh, extremely sophisticated um, mm-hmm. in terms of um, textiles and stone and metalworking. Um, actually, speaking of llamas, uh, llamas are the, um, uh, the main uh, beast of burden, as it were. There's no riding animals, um, but there's mm-hmm. an enormous network of uh, communication and logistics um, Spanning the whole continent, actually, so a super sophisticated civilization to meet. Probably one of the the best ones to try and contact um, a thousand years ago. Yeah, so they would have uh, again. Just to go back to the slight debunking, we would think that the uh, some of the Incas would have seen this crash happen. For one thing, um, they certainly had excellent astronomers as well as just a lot of people around, <laughs> and uh, that th- they would have made something of these. If aliens crashed in any society, uh, I think w- this is one of those things that comes up in U- UFO ufology, right? Often that like they'll say, "Oh, there's this description in the Bible." You know, Ezekiel saw a wheel. I remember that from the video oh, yeah. Project mm-hmm. UFO, uh, Project Blue Book <laughs> TV show. Remember that Ezekiel saw the wheel, and um, uh, and then you know they'll find some ancient, almost entirely um, ruined. Rock, rock art, right? Some petroglyphs or something like that, and point to some creature with a feathered head headdress on and say, "That's an alien." Clearly, there were flying creatures. <laughs> Clearly, so that would have happened. Um, nonetheless, let's say they really did crash. Uh, Gabby, what would you? Uh, how, how would you proceed if you were uh, if you found yourself crashed a thousand years ago in the Inca Empire? And you just came from... I'm assuming I'm not instantly dead. <laughs> that right. sounds like me every morning. I mean, that, that's kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a thing we didn't really mention in this, right? right? Like, if they're mummies, that means they didn't die in a violent crash intrinsically because of the way that mummies mm-hmm. are created. Right, right. Uh, if it crashed in the jungle somewhere of this massive empire, well, it could have crashed in a desert as well. Yeah. There are some pretty arid regions. But if it just straight up crashed you know, all of the normal factors that rot a corpse would just 
kind of take it over. Right. Um, so, yeah, assuming these guys survived um, and have maybe tried to put up whatever communications they can with for home, um, you know, the put the, the galactic hitchhiker thumb out. <laughs> um, the Reese's Pieces. I mean, I get... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it depends if what you're there for as an alien explorer, yeah. right? Are you attempting to make contact with these people? Are you attempting to study them and maybe just put your research somewhere? Or maybe you're like, well, this is it. I'm not really going to bother with my mission now. I'm just going to go try to figure out how to survive in the wilderness. Yeah. Um, hmm. In which case, maybe you'd actually have a pretty hard time of that because there's no guarantee you can digest Oof, anything yeah, made on this right. planet. Oh, right. Well, yeah, so if these are creatures from an entirely alternate tree of life that may not function chemically like ours at all, um, they might not really be able to break apart some of the... They might they might not essentially have amino acids in the same way that we do, the same concrete building blocks. Uh, so they they might need discrete, you know, macronutrients that they physically can't get here because they didn't evolve on our planet. Yeah. That's a really interesting... And that might also explain why they end up getting mummified, actually. Um, if they can't eat the food here, then our bacteria probably can't eat them after they die. Oh, so, yeah. so they'll just desiccate, right? The water will just gradually seep out of them and they'll, they'll dry up. So that could actually be a pretty convenient way to, um, uh, to ensure the mummification. That'd be cool. That's pretty cool. Now, you also come from... <laughs> they come from a planet. Their species has jumbled up... <laughs> <laughs> Jumbled up bones. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> yeah. How can we explain that? How can we? Is that that could happen, right? Or or there are there are creatures on their planet who, you know, uh, I don't know. It's kind of a Frankenstein thing. Like maybe they're able to just throw creatures together. Um, in um in the uh, oh in Alistair Reynolds as a book, you see this in a number of books. Um, what he calls them, like metalheads or something like that. They, these are robots that are made that nanobots essentially can assemble in all kinds of different forms. You know, a bazillion nanobots can come together in the form of a spider or come to form in the form of something else, just as needed. Uh, but it might be that somebody they are some kind of bizarre, uh, like Frankenstein. I mean, creature. maybe, yeah, maybe two explanations. One. That's not representative of what the population on Gazorp 12 looks like. They make these Franken-creatures right, right. that are actually what they send out. Because you don't have to care if the homunculus crashes on a an alien planet. Yeah. You can just cook up a new one in a hole in the ground or something. Um, or however the old alchemists <laughs> used to claim that they could make homunculi. Um, but the other process I'm thinking of is actually grafts, as in trees. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, we can do biological grafts, like skin grafts and stuff like that, but they tend to be kind of messy and they don't really, they're not really seamless. Um, they, your body can kind of reject grafts sometimes, especially if they come from incompatible hosts. Uh, so essentially your body recognizes that this is from another person because that piece of flesh displays some receptor or some antibodies that you don't have, some version of it that you don't mm -hmm. have. Uh, and your immune system freaks out. This is why we know blood types and you only get from your own blood type. Uh, if they put the wrong type of blood in you, your white blood cells will attack it. Yeah. Uh, which, as you can tell, that doesn't sound like a good idea. 
Um, but I'm thinking of grafts for trees, essentially, you can take kind of a vaguely the same species, same, I think it's same family of trees, not same species. Um, and you can kind of abrade the surface of one tree, cut down to the green wood, and then take a sliver of the other tree and sort of make them the meat green wood to green wood. What happens is the tree will just start healing both of them oh, wow. and it will integrate the two of them oh, together. Wow. So my grandfather had an apple tree that grew pears as wow. well, where I think he grafted a couple of different types of like varieties of apples and pears to it because whenever he was somewhere where they had a tree that grew those, he was like, can I, can I take a bit? And he just, he made this like Franken tree in the backyard <sighs> that grew a little bit of everything because, you know, why not? Right. So if you want it to be seamless from the outside, but all kinds of messed up in the middle, I am thinking that some kind of process like that yeah. exists yeah. for these guys. Yeah. yeah. They could also be sent here just to mess with us, <laughs> right? Like, oh, I like send that. Send them. Yeah. You see, we, we see us, we see another civilization. And we say, all right, let's, or, or they're somehow, maybe they're going to ease the way to them actually arrive. Who knows what? But for some reason, you could send them basically these maquettes or, you know, puppets or something that you made that look like them. Well, yeah, that's maybe actually, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, um, yeah. yeah, maybe that's their, uh, their remote drone, right? So they, they, <laughs> yeah. they look at us from orbit and they're like, all right, they're bipeds. They've got, you know, bilateral symmetry. Um, let's make something that looks like them and send yeah. that down so they don't freak out. Uh, and then they just gathered a <laughs> bunch of random body parts, <laughs> stitched them together in orbit, yeah. and sent that down. Because they don't, yeah. you know, how it is, if, if you're not familiar with something, you don't know what the important details are yet. So to them, yeah. it didn't, you know, they're they're jellyfish or something. So all bipeds look right. the same to <laughs> yeah. them. So they're just like, ah, yeah. whatever. <laughs> well, and I think that is funny, right? Because we explicitly have something like the uncanny uh, valley yeah. that we yeah. have. Yeah. We are acutely trained to recognize human faces yeah. and human facial expressions and the way that like our skin looks in light and stretches. And so if you are just to the left of that, you are creating something that's gonna freak us out way more. So these little three foot tall guys probably terrified some poor Inky. Yeah. Dude, oh well that's for uh, sure. Yeah. In in this alternate reality yeah. where this is ah. They do they look like the trilogy the, the puppet from Trilogy of Terror that runs around with a knife, you know. Like oh. um uh I I think what's happening, just to wrap up, this is a short episode because we're just having fun today. Uh with these mummies, um, I think it, it was a gift, or it, it was some. It, it was sent with some reason, like in the way the monolith in two thousand one was sent, mm -hmm. with some reason, you know. And, you, and we may not know what it is, and maybe multiple reasons, and who knows what. But I think that um, the aliens who are watching our television signals, because Carl Carl Sagan, you know, and SETI tells us that, that that's a possible thing, um, then. Uh, they're finally seeing, the, oh, look, the doll, it, they got it. They got our gift. <laughs> they didn't send it. They didn't send a thank you note. We didn't, we wonder either the ungrateful or maybe got lost along the way. They got our gift and they're now showing it in like, you know, the capital of one of their nations. One of their most so, populous uh, nations. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. So it's time to go. Uh, it's, it's time. We can go visit now. Visit. Okay. Ready the ships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
or they have a level of technology making it worth invading them now, um, de- de- depending on whether you're taking the Sagan perspective on nature or the um, right, uh, three-body right. <laughs> problem perspective. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> three-body yeah. problem sounds kind of funny when you think about there were these three, three moments, bodies, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was wonderful. Thank you. This is just a little bus, a bite size uh, episode, uh, a little amuse bouche, a mere taco, <laughs> uh, as opposed to the full enchilada um, today. Uh, Gabby, how does this story end? Or what's uh, the next the story of bringing fake yeah. mu- mummies into the Mexican <laughs> yeah. Congress, or just our our expeditious mummy? Your choice. Team Your of- choice. Um. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of our expeditious mummified team of uh, explorers. Um, yeah, it must be terrifying for them. That, that's kind of my my overall thought is like the extreme of being stranded on a planet whose biology is not only uh, essentially is completely different from yours, that your hope for survival is not even like I can learn to live yeah. here. It's that you are physically incompatible yeah. with living there which is really kind of freaky to consider in a way of like yeah like assuming they can still breathe the air like you think about planets as being inhospitable in the way of like yeah there's no atmosphere or it's all you know too hot so you can't actually live there so the the there's a unique terror i think to me as a scientist the concept of being stuck on a planet that has life on it but that life is so alien and incompatible with you that you cannot use it in any way to survive That is a good story. Castaway story. Um, Matt, how about you? How, how does uh, either branch of this story end? Um, I don't know. I feel like we've got to follow the Mexican government a little bit here. Um, that is, somebody thought this was impressive enough to to bring it on the floor of the parliament. Um, yep. And yep. maybe even if you know they, they take it to the uh, the scientist, the National Science Lab, um, and it gets quickly debunked. There's one of the people at the science lab who's actually u- who used to work at the actual secret lab where the Mexican government <laughs> hides the real alien. Right. Um, right. And he's like, "Oh, we were really close. Uh, they almost <laughs> discovered us. We've got to do something." And I don't know. So maybe that spurs them to do full disclosure themselves but then nobody believes yeah. them because uh, this has all been debunked so when another mexican scientist comes up and says i've got the real aliens everybody's like forget it so there's yeah. actually yeah. some guy who just has to set up a a blog um <laughs> trying to get the word about the aliens out there but nobody believes them anymore yeah 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 although i think that i think that's something we used to hope for that in some sense that there'd be so many rid- ridiculous stories that no one would believe any of them anymore. I think what we've discovered is that, no, people people will believe all the stories. Yeah, that's that's how, right. There's no discrimination it, anymore. It, yeah. Or yeah. the one that's funny to me is the reverse, which is like, this mummy is clearly fake, unlike my <laughs> yeah. alien mummy, which is clearly <laughs> yeah. real. They're debunking each other just to support their yeah. own. I think what happens is they revive the mummies. You know, it turns out we can raise them like the mammoth uh, from the ice. And uh, we revive the mummies, and they wake up in front of the Mexican president, and he says, uh, well, yes, I said take me to your leader, but I meant like that day, not a thousand (laughs) years later. (laughs) 
Thanks. <laughs> they got just like, you know, dried out like those little like sponge toy yeah, things exactly. that you put in water like, and they rehydrate. Yeah, exactly. 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 Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mexican Parliament, for all your gifts to uh, this st- to, to storytelling. Yeah, to human civilization. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, keep up the good fight. Kudos to NASA is continuing. We'll, we'll keep an eye on the NASA mm-hmm. UFO board. There's a lot of, well, I don't know what's going on with that. Um, but I'm, it's good to have somebody looking into it. Keep your eye on it. Watch the skies, as, as they, they say. say. Yeah. Um, Matt, anything you'd like to plug this week? Um, I think not me, but my Buddies over at Astronomy on Tap, I think, are doing an event on Tuesday. Um, So if you do a Google for Astronomy on Tap, um, it should come right up. I think they're doing an event about eclipses because we've got an annular eclipse coming Ah, up in October and then a full eclipse in April. Um, So go hang out there. um, Tell them I sent you. Fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to miss that. But they, and they are, I think they're a nationwide group. Right? They have a number of branches. That's right. They have, they yeah, have so made biological drones that they have sent to other cities yeah. to make contact with, with other places. Yeah. There are drunk astronomers everywhere of all sizes. Yes. Swing yeah. <laughs> hitting one these days. Yeah. That's right. Gabby, anything you'd like to plug this week? Um, if you see an extraterrestrial, I guess bring them to the Mexican Congress or dry them out for the next thousand years and just pay yeah. it forward. <laughs> I, I think that's as the best advice that I can like give. Sounds like good advice. Yeah, that'd be a good. You know, like uh, people people ask for them to ask for themselves after they die to be to have their body flown in space or ashes flown in space or whatever. You could ask for your, you know, your body to be mummified and delivered in a thousand years to any country of your choosing. All right. To the UN. Delivered as an, I would truly love that in like somebody's will. Like I would like to be mummified and delivered as an ill omen <laughs> yeah, to the, the empire omen. of your choosing. Yeah. That's good. All right. The state All lawyers right, Matt, that are listening, let yeah. us know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get ideas. Matt, will you help people uh, understand? We we didn't, you know, we didn't give the usual safety. Oh, that's true. So maybe. actually, all kinds of disastrous <laughs> things might have happened. Um, so in that's fact, right. I could well imagine that one of our listeners dozed off during the podcast and woke up to discover that uh, they have been turned into a remote control biological drone, and all their bones <laughs> are now mismatched. And there's a bunch of Spanish-speaking scientists looking down at them, and you scream out, "What the?" Thank you all for listening. Keep your uh, this, today was brought to you by skin conditioner. Dove, <laughs> Dove skin conditioner. We'll see you next week. Watch the sky.